CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and has partnered up with Victory Sports for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400, and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you. Welcome to another edition of Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with Jonah Bronstein of the New Bronstein Times and other places. And joining us for the first time in a while is Joe Yurden of Noted Hockey. It's a new Substack page. He's going to tell us about it. Uh, but uh, uh, first, just uh, Bon Mott's all around. Uh, Joe Yurden, thanks for joining the show. Tim, it's, it's always a pleasure, and it's, it's, it has been a while. And it's funny to be back because with everything that's been going on with, with the Sabres and Jack Eichel, it made me think back to a conversation we had when Vegas came into the league, was coming into the league. And you, you had the great question of, if you're the Sabres, do you trade your entire roster for whatever Vegas gets? And I was like, no, because they've got Eichel and Reinhardt and these guys and the, the future and hope and all that stuff. And now it's like, boy, that's, that's why I'm not a GM. That's why, I, that's why I write about it and don't, don't work in it, really. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember that on the old radio show. Uh, mm -hmm. You would come in the studio and we would have these nice philosophical discussions about that and, and Rush, of course. I don't yes. mean odd man rush, the, the band rush. <laughs> of course. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, good to, it's good to have you back on so we can get into this uh, crazy Sabre start. Um, you've been writing about it uh, at, your, at your site. In fact, let's, let's go ahead and start about it. Tell, let's tell people about your site. It's uh, Noted Hockey. Uh, mm -hmm. It is at Substack. You can go there directly, notedhockey.substack.com and sign up for Joe's uh, site, which includes a newsletter and, and insights and, and uh, observations. Uh, and it's free. Uh, so yeah. uh, check it out. But uh, I'm, I'm a subscriber. I, as am I. Okay. As I am love I. it. That, that's great. I'm, I'm so happy that you guys have jumped on board for everything that I've got cooking up for it. Cause uh, it's, it, it had been too long since I was really dug into writing, you know uh, ever since getting laid off and pandemic and all that stuff, all that, like everything that could have been bad was going on all at once and dealing with a lot of that all at the same time and trying to get, mental health correct try to get you know life straightened straightened up a bit and everything that goes into it it was i was not in any sort of mood to be writing <laughs> to say the least and uh, you know with uh with the team being as i always thought there's as... something wrong with people who are ever in the mood to write even when things are going great then you then you, you factor in a bunch of things uh out of your control uh and yeah then you really are not in the mood to write. Yeah. And like, I, I know it's probably, probably makes me, I don't know if this makes me a normal writer or, or a, a, a weirdo, but um, being in the mood to write is always, it, to me, it always seemed like that got the best 
out of me, at least from a creative sense. You know, when you do sports writing and you do beat stuff and you're doing stuff on the deadline, like, and especially if it's a hard game, you know, if it's a game story deadline where it's like, hey, the buzzer sounds, you better have something in. You're not always going to get the best out of that. You're sometimes you're just going to get the panicked. I'm doing as well as I can with this right now. And hopefully this works <laughs> kind of writing, which I don't know. I, I will always give forever credit to anybody who can write a brilliant at the buzzer story that, that makes sense and sounds great and works because Holy crap, man. Like that's, that's so damn hard. It's so damn hard to just get that right. And my brain jumps everywhere with, with writing. So keeping it focused, it's like, keeping like the, the laser pointer pointed at the wall and not moving it so that I can just stay, stay with what I'm supposed to do as opposed to just, you know, wow, everything's going, everything's happening. And hockey is a bad sport for that because that's all hockey is, is just, you know, the laser pointer is just going everywhere. Well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate you saying that about my writing. <laughs> it's listen, compliments all around, Jonah. I, you're, you're the best in the business for a reason. <laughs> my, uh, my least favorite, uh, part of covering hockey on deadline when I was doing it for the Buffalo news, uh, was the advent of the shootout, uh, when things were of course, mm. uh, sped up, uh, prior to that lockout, uh, the team that scored first was going to win the game. Uh, and that was just the way hockey was. And it was one of the problems with hockey really, but coming out of that lockout, you know, a three goal lead was not safe. Uh, especially against the Sabres. If you got up on those Sabres teams, uh, even two or three goals, it didn't matter. Uh, and then if the team that's losing scores late to force overtime and then ends up winning in the shootout, which seems to have been a coin flip back at that time, you're scrapping everything you've, you've written in terms of what the loss meant for the team. And you know now all of a sudden it's a, it's a courageous comeback win that gives them momentum or whatever the narrative is. But yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's no fun. I do not miss those days, Joe. Um, but uh, your your Substack there, and again, I'll I'll uh, keep giving out the address. It's notedhockey.substack.com. Uh, you get to write what you want when you want. Um, it, it's Tyler Dunn is also a, a Substack denizen uh, with his Go Long site uh, that seems to be going well. So mm-hmm. you're the boss. And um, was what's your philosophy? with, uh, with noted hockey. Well, I want to, I want to keep it as, I want to keep it as interesting and informative and honestly light. Like I I don't want it to be overly heavy. And I, I kind of, you know, the first few posts I did, there's a lot of introspection there, which I think I have to get out, have to get it out of my system after, you know, being on the shelf here for a while like how do you have to you have, sometimes you have to write that stuff out and just get it out and just be like all right that's cleared i've cleared the decks let's get focused here you know like there's there's a passing mention of hockey there was you know a little bit of saber sprinkle in because it's you know it's the beginning of the season nobody's nobody's getting that excited unless you know you're a horrible team and you go three and oh to start the season then you get then you get a little bit pumped up but um but with this it was it's something where there were, you know, things that I was doing with, with the athletic and even ideas that I would have with NHL.com for, for stories. And like those kinds of things I want to, I can still do them. Like I don't necessarily have to be in the house. You know, I don't have to be talking to to players and whatnot. And a lot of that's, you know, just analyzing and looking at what's going on and deciding like, Hey, I know a little bit about hockey. Let me look at this and say, 
maybe this is something to go on. Like uh, my newest post about Rasmus Dahlin, I saw him playing on the right side of, you know, as a, as a right defenseman a little bit in the last couple of games. And I said, I wonder what's, wonder if something's going to be happening there more uh, because against, against Arizona, he did it for an entire period, just played the right side. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then he was doing it off and on against Vancouver. And I was like, hmm, that's, that's curious too. So I just looked at it and tried to figure out like what's going on there. And like, that's just one, that's just one thing. Um, and as long as this team stays interesting and as long as Don Granado keeps this team being, you know, at least entertaining to watch, there's going to be a lot of things to pick out because Don, I, you know, in my mind, Don's a coach that's going to try a lot of stuff. And honestly, with this roster, you can probably get away with trying a lot of different things. And that's fine because the expectations are, are you know, below ground where, where the bar is. So, you know, it, it's being able to peek at these things because honestly, as long as teams are doing you know, zoom coverage, you know, like the Islanders are staying with their zoom stuff and you're not getting a lot of that in room access to just shoot the shit with guys and just do whatever. Right. That makes it really difficult to do profiles like on, on guys. And, you know, you have to do a lot more background digging. And honestly, if, if it's not dealing with NHL people, I could still do that too. <laughs> like, and it's not I, just writing the, or pulling the feature off. It's even coming up with the idea or a notion of, of a feature because so many of those ideas come from a conversation about something else. And they yeah. mention they mention a little anecdote in passing and you think, oh, he doesn't think that's interesting, but I do. I don't think he realizes how interesting that is. Mm-hmm. And the PR staff might not even know about it uh, because he's just mentioned it off the top of his head. And you just don't have those conversations anymore that – that generate those really interesting personal uh, personality type pieces. And that's, I think that's, what's the most frustrating for everybody in the business. And this, and this goes for every single sport. Um, you know, depending on, I, I don't, I don't know what the access is like for the NFL. Um, similar, I don't know if, at least with similar. the Buffalo bills and the Buffalo bills are considered among the more generous teams when it comes to access. And it's really tight. That's, that's tough. You know, I, I know when baseball writers were allowed back on the field to do some stuff like that was cool, but there was still no, there was still no room access. It was, you know, it was all post-game zooms and whatnot, but you know, when you don't have that availability, you can't like, you can't get to know the players as people. And that to me is, is something that every league could learn lessons from because, you know, I understand why teams want to keep it tight and they don't want to, they don't want people to get too chummy or, you get too close with people, then, you know, things get out where, you know, all that crap. But like, if you want to have genuine stories told about your players, you got to let that happen. Like you got to let people talk to people as people, not, not as, you know, the stilted reporter athlete relationship, that stuff is, it's really hard to like step away from that. Even, even when you're, even when you're in the room already, that's really tough to, to break from. Like you can't, you know, if you don't hit it off with a guy right away, then it's going to be a little bit awkward all the time. And unless you're able to find like that balance, um, trying to get those little nuggets here and there, don't mind the West side sirens here. Um, the, uh, it, it's really difficult to, to try I like to the ambiance actually. That's good color. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's flavorful over here, but, um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, man. It, it I feel bad for everybody who's, who's been wanting to write like really, you know, cool stories, really interesting. Like you have to work doubly hard to do it. And I mean, it's not like you can't do it. It's just like, we all have, you got to keep writing. Like you can't stop writing just to do one thing 
completely. Like you have to do five other things if you're working on this one thing. And that's this, this job doesn't need to be harder than it, than it is. So if I can be my own boss and do it, cool. Like that's great. <laughs> well, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a success. Uh, people love your, uh, your thoughts. And um, like you say, uh, you, the observation regarding uh, Rasmus Dahlin playing on the right side is a perfect example of that uh, type of uh, insight. And uh, hey, did you guys, not only did you notice this, but uh, let's take a let's take a deep look. Uh, that's that's what Joe Yurden does. Uh, Joe, let's hit the reset button uh, for the Sabers here. Uh, throw out a couple of stats in case people are just only half paying attention uh, as the Bills are dominating uh, Western New York sports consciousness, which is common. And I think people just um, dismissing the Sabres. There are probably some casual hockey fans out there that aren't even sure if this is preseason or not uh, because the Sabres aren't <laughs> supposed to be winning, so it must be preseason. But the Sabres are 3-0 and heading into Friday night's game against the Boston Bruins, and uh, that is at Key Bank Center. And then they play the New Jersey Devils uh, Saturday night on the road, so they get to uh, go visit good friend Lindy Ruff. Uh, but 3-0 and after that 5-2 win over Vancouver. They are perfect on the penalty kill on uh, nine chances against and uh, 62 scoring chances. But the one stat that really stands out to me is that uh, in these three games, they are plus 26 in shots. And that might be like, well, okay, that happens in hockey. But this is a team that in 56 games last year was outshot 42 times. So they've already had three strong games in terms of shots for shots against um, what's just your general take here and Joe of watching these guys and their puck control and aggressive offense. Yeah. It's, it's a night and day thing from, from how this team played under Ralph Kruger. Like it couldn't be more 180 degrees apart. You know, Ralph's Ralph's idea of, of getting things done was to defend at all costs and, you know, slap the, uh, slap the, uh, the leash on the defenseman and say, you're not going to go any further than your offensive blue line, but you better get your, better get your ass back on defense. And a lot of the creativity was limited. And a lot of it meant with his style of hockey was teams got brought it to them and then they adjust, then the Sabres would adjust. And a lot of times that's what coaches have done in the past. Instead, Granado has gone the other direction. He's like, well, let's put it on them. Let's, let's pressure them. Let's forecheck them up the ice. Let's, Let's send a couple of guys in after the puck. Let's let's do this. And they, he's managed to get it to so that these guys will all cover each other's ass too, because you know they get set up in the zone and you see Darlene. You know maybe he dives in and he, he's going at for a shot or Bryson or something like that. A forward's getting back to that position to make sure that the other defenseman isn't getting hung out hung out to dry if the puck gets blocked out of the zone. Little basic things like that, which we didn't see under Ralph. We didn't really see it under Phil either. And the end of Dan Bilesma's run that, you know, that that's a whole other thing, but like that kind of play, that kind of stuff is so basic, honestly, like that's, that's just common. That's common hockey that you, that you got to be able to do, but these guys weren't doing it. And Granado's done a great job of coaching, like not just being the leader, but like coaching these guys up. And that's a huge credit to him. And these guys are playing really well from it. And, whatever the weaknesses this team's you know they have in certain spots like you know whether it's team speed or you know you're a little questionable about the scoring depth or whatnot if you got every line playing the same kind of way it doesn't really matter like because if you're coming at you if you're coming at teams in the same wave and everybody's doing the same kind of thing and everybody's got different talents on it 
you're getting different looks anyways. So to me, that's, it's a great way to do it. What obviously what's helped is that they played, you know, three teams that have a combined one win like that. That helps out too. Let's, let's not get it. Let's not get it. Let's not get too excited here, but, um, but they've taken advantage of it. You know, maybe that Arizona game last year is one that they would lose. You know, it's, you know, it's a one, one game. They go to a shootout, shootouts, a toss up, who cares? But like, that's a game maybe they lose in regulation because something stupid happens. Somebody blows a coverage, goalie misses something, whatever, you know, those are the kinds of games that you got to win when you, you pretty much ran it. You ran the show the whole game. You better win that game. And even the Vancouver game, like they trailed in that one, came back, tied it up. Third period comes around, they've rolled and they steamrolled. So that kind of stuff, it's great to see. It's good to build the confidence, but like we've been down this road before with Buffalo, like they started what eight Oh one, two years ago. And, you know, Carter Hutton was stopping everything in sight. And then the wheels fell off for everybody, not just Carter Hutton, but like the the entire team, you know, they had the 10 game win streak the year before that. And everybody was, you know, gung ho saying, Oh, first place, here we go. We're going to win. And that was their first place. What the beginning of January or like they were in a playoff spot by the beginning of January still. And then they were out of it two weeks later, just done. See ya. So you can't get excited, but they're playing a style that people like watching. <laughs> it's crazy to think that you, you can take respect away this- it. You can yeah. respect it and they'll be competitive and it's not a waste of your time as a fan. Right. And it's crazy to think that you take away like the star power players from, from the previous years, you know, Reinhardt and Eichel and even Ristolainen. Like you take those guys away and you're thinking that's a lot of talent gone. You know, that's a lot of talent out the door okay. Like they're, they're going to stink. They're going to stink out loud, but I don't know. Sometimes you can just coach up a team and, and just get it done the right way. I mean, it's not like they're doing a major league thing and they've got like a, you know, they got like a, a picture of, you know, Jack Eichel in there and they're you know, <laughs> pulling pieces off of it just to say like, screw him. We're going to do this. Like that ain't happening. But, um, but like, if you get everybody pulling the rope in the same direction, man, it's sometimes things go right. How much did you see this coming based on the way they finished up? under Granado last year and preseason and the buzz from training camp there. I think the way they finished up last year, there was a little bit of a thought that maybe they could do something different. Like they're, they're going to play different. At least they'll play interesting. They'll play exciting. You know, they might lose a game six to two, but like, Hey, it'll be fun to watch. I mean, losing stinks, but like, it'll still be fun to watch. Um, Being able to have this kind of success though, like right off the hop, I, I would predict that zero people thought that they could see this coming. Um, even the way they played in the preseason, like, you know, preseason is what it is, but they weren't blowing the doors off of people with their, with their full lineup. You know, they were still, you know, figuring out who was going to be the goalie and, um, and all the, you know, all the stuff the preseason goes into figuring out, like, you're not, you're not really watching preseason to see results. Like, you know, I, I've, I've seen too many teams go have a great preseason and then just be awful, you know, as soon as the regular season starts. But um, but yeah, nobody saw something, saw a start like this coming. And you know what? Their schedule's not bad. This for the first 11 games of this, not not evil. Like they could have a nice, real, real nice start here, depending on, you know, we'll see how they handle a West Coast road trip this early. But like the, the toughest teams they're going to face are you know, it's going to be Boston on Friday. It's going to be Tampa next week. And then you get out West, like Anaheim, Anaheim and Seattle, like you playing in Seattle is going to be a whole different thing because you don't know what, you don't know how they're going to play out there with the crowd and everything. Um, the Kings are playing a little bit better, but like, okay. You know, like that's fine. Um, 
and the ducks ducks are supposed to be bad, but they're playing with some fire too. So I don't know, maybe it's just, maybe it's just something about the early part of the season where the, the teams that everybody's been dumping on and before the season started, they say, Hey, screw them. Let's just, let's just go out and see what we can do before, you know, the, the real teeth of the season, t- you know, take over. You know, maybe it's related to, uh, you know, the, the discussions we've been having on Tim Graham and friends brought to you by CTBK with Joel Staniszewski and trying to pick games uh, against, <laughs> against the spread. Uh, Joel will not be joining us this week because the bills are on a buy, but uh, the buy I think is coming for a good time. It's coming at a good time for Joel. Uh, <laughs> Joel, Joel had another rough week. Joel doesn't gamble when the bills don't play. Well, he comes on to pick the Bills games. I, I reached out to him uh, tonight to see if he would be available, and he said, well, he assumed and in, in the past he has taken the bye week off. Um, but uh, I think Joel needs this week uh, to maybe uh, hit the reset button himself. This is a pet peeve of mine. A lot of people in local sports media, when the Bills have a bye week, it doesn't mean you have a bye week. That's you right. Know, the world still goes mean- along. Sports <laughs> still goes along. There's so many people like, oh, I'm going on vacation for the bye week. That's for the team, not for you. Right. <laughs> Does that mean yeah, there that? are a bunch of people in, uh, in the media? Um, Heather Prusak and John Scott are going on vacation. Uh, yeah, they all do. They all act like the Bills are the I think only. Matt Bovee's on vacation. Yeah, yeah. I think Joe Buscalli is going right. on vacation. The Bills are, and Joe was a beat writer, and some of these people are more beat-oriented. But there's a lot of people that aren't and that think covering the Bills is all that matters, and then they go leave the country when the Bills aren't playing that week. That's right. Well. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you just got to get away from it all, but like, I don't know, like you, I don't know. Would you rather have the bye week early, like early, like this in the season or a little bit later? So you can get re can you, so you can get charged up. Depends. You, you know, when the schedule team. comes out, I think that you would want it not knowing what's going to happen or how the season's going to unfold. You'd want it like right in the middle. That's probably the safest place for it to be. Mm-hmm. But then I think it depends on how your season starts. If you're not going well, then you're like, let's get, let's have the early bye week. And if they, if you're the Bills, you probably would like to push your bye week back uh, closer to the playoffs for injury recoup, uh, you know, all that type of stuff, re-energize um, because they're playing well. Let's just mow through as many teams as we can, and we'll, mm-hmm. you know, we'll take the bye week a little bit later. And and so, yeah, I think if you're good, you want it later, and if you're bad, you want it probably pretty early. For injury purposes, it's probably better later. I feel like there's been coaches and players that have said that the ideal bye week is right in the middle of the season. You get that kind of mental break. Yeah, all th- like everything being equal, I think that's that's the case. But I think that if you're planning on a Super Bowl run, you probably want that bye in the in the in the third quarter of the season, or you know, deep into the second half somewhere, uh, just for for that much more uh, rejuvenation. Um, this, is like the, this is like the second year in a row, though they've had a, a totally bad beat going into the bye week. Like, right? I, I don't, I don't know if that experience helps them out or not, or if it just makes it a crummy vacation for a week. They've, they've tended, I don't know the stat exactly, but they've tended to lose in the game before the bye week under Sean McDermott most of these seasons, haven't they? Yeah, but you know, but, you know it's, but I think it's. I don't think you can have a common thread when you, especially when you take a look at the last two and you know, the, the small percentage chance that they had to lose and actually did. I don't know that there's any kind of, you could factor maybe Sean McDermott's preparation or the approach or, or anything. I think it's coincidence, but it, it's something that might on paper be developing into a trend if it continues to happen. 
Speaking of health and staying fresh, staying sharp, of course, uh, anybody uh, who has followed Kyle Oposo's story, and uh, he is a sentimental favorite uh, among the Sabres fans. By the way, that story that I wrote about Kyle Oposo does not happen without Joe Yurden, by the way. Uh, he was... Uh, he was the one who worked with me on that story and uh, sent it my way. So without Joe Yurden, that story doesn't get, get told. But um, Kyle Oposo starting off great. Obviously, everybody loves what they see out of him. However, uh, the injury history, it's tough to imagine him being able to keep playing at this pace. Um, he does have the concussion history slash neck problems. And playing at this pace, at this style – it's just hard to imagine him keeping up at it. You hope he does. And if he does, then he's maybe, you know, playing in the Olympics or the all-star game or whatever. Uh, then he's, he looks good. He looks great actually. Um, yeah. You know, your, your thoughts on, on what we've seen from him and, and that, uh, that energy line that he's been on. It's uh, I know when we cover sports and, you know, especially if you're on a beat, you know, for any amount of time, you're not supposed to really pull for guys or really root for, you know, you don't root for the team, obviously, but like you can't really get it in you to just like, you know, pump your fist a little bit when a, you know, a guy that you like scores a goal. Like that's, it feels a little weird, but it's really hard to not root for the best things to happen to Kyle. Like he's just a prince of a dude. Um, literally nobody says a bad word about him. Like you think you know, Islanders fans, We've seen how they treated John Tavares when when he signed elsewhere. You think that you know if anybody's going to turn on somebody, it would be the Isles fans. But even them, they still love Kyle, and to see him play in this way is awesome. Like he looks, he looks like he's in the best shape of his career. I know it's it's a tired it's a tired thing to say, but like he looks he looks slimmer, he looks faster, and the way he's playing on that line, like this is kind of what we saw a couple of years ago when it was Larson Gergensen's and Opozo. Like that line was fantastic. Like they were, they were great in possession. They were able to keep the puck in the opponent's end for, you know, stretches of time and really wear out defenses and make it so that whenever, you know, Jack's line or, or another scoring line would come out, they would they'd be able to, to, to have an advantage there. The fact that the way that they're playing and that Gergensen's, you know, missed entire, you know, missed all last year with the torn hamstring and he looks like he hasn't missed a beat. And Cody Eakin, who I think the entire Sabres fan base wanted to run out of town uh, last year. Um, and to be fair, he was the worst player on the worst team in the NHL. So there's a little grounding there. But even Cody Eakins look really good. Now, I mean, he gets banged up in practice. We'll it's see a haircut. It's totally, the, it's totally the ginger mullet. It's absolutely the ginger mullet. That's, that's power. And the Joe Dirt ginger mullet is, is the way. But, like, Kyle's got two goals. Zemgus has two goals. Eakin's got a goal. Like, that's 40, 40% of their offense right now? Like, that's nuts. Like, if you told me that those guys had five of their goals in the first three games, I'd say they're 0-3 and they're getting their pants beat off of them. Like, you know, forget it. Like, there's, there's nothing good that's coming out of this season if that's the case. It's totally opposite. Like, like they're playing great. And they're playing like the way they did with Larson a couple of years ago. And now they're getting goals to go with it. Kyle, like the adjustment of Kyle's career from being like the, uh, the, the setup guy, power forward with the Islanders and even the, the start in Buffalo. But like since he's changed, you know, since you know, the injury stuff has changed and whatnot, he's gotten older. He's become a guy who's really fed off of forechecking and hitting guys 
and making life miserable for, for, for opponents when they're trying to bring the puck up the ice. And he seemed to really love getting in on guys and, you know, throwing the body around and just, you know, making, making it miserable. But now he's doing that and he's, he's got the shot back, you know, he, you know, he sniped a couple, he sniped a goal the other night and it was just like, wow, okay. Way to go, man. Like, that's good. And like all this stuff, it's great. It's just so good to see it from him. And, but I'm with you. The same thought is in the back of my head all the time. Cause all it's going to take is one thing to make it all bad again. And, and I don't mean even just to sideline him for a while, but I mean, the bumps and the, the style that he plays, the bumps mm-hmm. and the bruises, you know, they accumulate. And then it it gets harder and harder to play that style, especially when you start getting into back-to-back games and, mm-hmm. you know, at his age and things like that. So you hope that he's found the fountain of youth and, and something's kicked in for him. Um, like you say, because it's impossible not to root for the guy. Um, but it's, uh, you, you know, you just, you, you can't be, you, you have to assume it's not sustainable that, that Kyle Ocposo and that line is going to continue to carry the Sabres, <laughs> you know, that three and O does not mean they're on pace for 82 and O, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. Um, I know, but I would push back on saying that that line is carrying the play because they're getting scoring and shooting and production from really all of their lives. True, but I think maybe in terms of setting a tone, the leadership aspect right. of it, well, that, you know, that, that Kyle has the A absolutely. and he is clearly, you know, he and Miller are the leaders of the team and that they're giving you, you know, I think I'm sure that that's setting, as, as everybody around the team has said, setting that example for everybody else that that is being embraced that maybe – well, it, all right. So I'm leading myself into a thought. Jonah and I. Well, were, I, I wanted to ask Joe. Oh, go ahead. If I because you kind of set that up well, you know, obviously, Zemgis, Gergensons, and Kyle Poso are not as skilled of players as Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart, mm-hmm. but they're the alternate captains right now. And how much, with your experience being in the locker room in past seasons, how much do you think that's making a difference that Kyle Poso and, and players like him, that their personalities are leading this team as opposed to other personalities that aren't in that room anymore. I think it makes a big difference. And it, I think part of it's because now they're, they're probably two of the oldest guys on the team. You know, I mean, you know, Colin Miller's another one who's, who's one of the elder statesmen there. And, you know, it's crazy to think that, you know, Zemgis is one of the older guys in the team and he's what 28, maybe 29, and, but he's, he's one Sabres tank survivor. Like he's been there the whole time. Like since, you know, since he came up with 20, 2012, 2013, something like that. Like he's, and he's the only one, I think, right. He's, the, he's the only guy that's lasted the whole time. And, you know, Mark Pesic's back for, for a second tour of duty, but like Zemgis is the guy that's made it through. And I think Zemgis that... is popping his head out of that tank. Like uh, Michael Dukakis. <laughs> you know? Yes. That or, um, animal house when they when they drive the tank through everything and then <laughs> right. you just pop out and they're just like all right what's going on here like that that's that that's Zemgus. like and i i mean geez my heart aches for him to to not be on anything close to a winning team ever here but like that's a whole other thing but but those guys their example like kyle's had to work so hard you know through the injury stuff and through everything to to get back to where you know to to get to a level where he's playing like this and Zemgus, you know very few guys work as hard as Zemgis Gergensen does off the ice. Like I remember going to talk to him for a story and like he was, it was like off season and it was, just, I was doing a story about him uh, that was tied to his USH all days back in Dubuque. And he was just skating by himself at Harbor center 
and it's like a couple couple weeks before he can't even open up and he's just in the he's just in the rink just doing his own thing and just like doing drills by himself doing all this stuff and i know he's a workout freak too uh, but like the dude never stops like he's just he just goes and he he does his business does his job classic lunch pail kind of guy the kind of guy this whole city would should probably lose their mind over if they be, if they became a playoff team Zemgus is the guy that everybody's like I love him gotta have him like that's that's that attitude but um but that's a great example for for some of these younger dudes on the team like you know these guys have stayed in the NHL for for a long time Kyle's Kyle's been a star he's been an all-star and he's still going and he's still playing well and I think that's a great example for for guys like Cousins for Middlestat for Thompson uh, you know, for, for Darlene, for Yoki Hardy, all these guys that are, you know, under 23, you know, 24 years old. That's a great example to have, to, to have those guys carry, you know, carrying the torch and leading the way. And they might not be rah-rah guys, but they're certainly showing their, showing their, you know, throwing their weight around on the ice and doing it that way. Like that's, that's all you can ask for with this group. And you know what? It's not like, it's not like they're, they're captains with, you know, just because of seniority, like they're, they're actually performing well on the ice too. I preface this question by saying that three games is too soon to say. Mm-hmm. However, three games is a little bit more information that we had at the end of the preseason. Uh, what are your general thoughts on the Sabres goaltending situation? Um, I think what you're getting out of Craig Anderson is, is him at his absolute best. Um, I can think of, you know, every game he's played against the Sabres, it seemed like he was the greatest goalie in the world. <laughs> I mean, he's just one of those guys that always looked phenomenal. You know, he faced 45 shots, he's making 43 saves, and, you know, the Sabres lose four, you know, three to two, you know, games like that. And even, you know, against Montreal, I, looking on Twitter, Montreal fans are like, yep, another classic Craig Anderson game's coming. He's going to shut us down, and that's going to be that. And I was like, how many teams do, do they do they have that? Here comes Craig Anderson. Oh, geez. He kicks our ass every time. Like, I mean, yeah, he's 40 years old. Okay, fine. There's been some goalies that have made it that far into their careers playing. Now, granted, not a lot of them are starters, uh, you know, by the time they reach 40, but he's, play, you know, you know what you're going to get out of him. I, I think that's the key part. Like you, you know, he's going to be at least an average goalie. He's very few times as a below average, um, but he's, you know, he's going to tread water. He's going to do his job and they got him for a mentor to be a mentor to, to Lukanen and, you know, maybe that's the role he plays later on this season, but you know, the, the competition in camp made a, a lot of sense and it was, it played out the exact way it should have Aaron Dell didn't play well. He looked bad uh, for a lot of camp and Dustin Tukarski played, played the best out of all those, out of all those guys. So, you know, uh, you know, Tukarski's not young, <laughs> he's young compared to Anderson, but you know, he's been around, he's been around for a while. It's just his NHL career isn't, isn't very extensive. Goaltending will be a problem at some point, you know, it's not going to stay, you know, a 945, 950 level all season long. That's impossible. And if it does, they're going to deserve the Jennings trophy and the, the playoff spot that'll come with it. But like, it's, it, it, it's something where they're, and it sounds, it sounds so basic just to say they're doing their job. I mean, that, that's what they're doing, but that's all you need these guys to do. Just, be as steady as you can try not to get hurt and, you know, make it so that life can be easier for the guys in front of you. Because as long as you know what you're getting from the goalie and you don't have to like cover for a guy that's wandering all over the place or, you know, a guy who lets in the softies, as long as you don't have to worry about that stuff, everything else is to borrow line from Teen Wolf. Everything else is cream cheese. Like that's, 
that's all you can, that's, that's all you can ask for with, with the team that they're going to have in front of them. And that's going to be, that's going to have a lot of bumps along the way. Like it's, it seems easy now, but like, it's, it's easy. It's easy. Times aren't going to last like that, but, uh, but you just want guys that can just hold the fort down for, for a bit. And I don't know, like if Anderson can play like this for like 60 games, like he's going to be the comeback player of the year. <laughs> he's he's going to, he's going to, he's going to earn some kind of award if he can be like how, you know, put up the kind of numbers he, he did like five, six years ago. But you they're not exactly standing on their heads. It's the defense and controlling the puck seems to be mm-hmm. helping, you know, to borrow a phrase from another sport, they're playing complimentary football. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong about that at all. Um, you know, Anderson, I think has had to make, you know, one or two clutch saves uh, each game that he's played. Tukarski came up with a couple, a uh, couple against Arizona. Um, and if you can hold, if you can make it so your goalie only has to make a couple of like, Whoa, highlight kind of saves or, you know, Hey, play the tape back. How did he get that puck? If you can hold it to that few number that you'll take it every time. Like that's, and it, and, and you're right. It does come down to the defense. It does come down to the way that they're playing, but it, it comes down to them not giving room to any, any opponent on the ice. If you're just crowding everybody with the puck at all times, it's going to make it easier because the guy, players hate that. A players hate it when there's a guy on their back pocket, just hounding them the whole time. Annoying and, Cody can call it. Oh yeah. It's he's a hundred percent. Right. Like that's, that's what it is. And if you can annoy the other team to death, beautiful like you're gonna get punched in the mouth at some point during the season but like, like that's it's a great way to the play mo- the most annoying team in hockey that's gonna be the title of the dvd of the season <laughs> <laughs> and not just to the fans either just actually to the opponents this time yeah. for a change <laughs> hey um you know i was just thinking uh with the bye week and the discussion about bye week and how good it is for the team uh i had a thought here as i'm getting ready to give the plugs um, I think it's good to have the bye week a little early, especially when the weather's good, because uh, Joe Yurden, uh, you're invited, of course. In fact, uh, this is my I'm asking you if you'd like to uh, join Jonah and me this weekend at Amherst Pizza and Ale House because they have the patio seating. And uh, it's uh, it's a great place to go to watch the college and pro football games. So bills are on a bye this week. That means I'm able to watch NFL games. Well, actually, I was the last two weeks because the bills played night games. I was able to actually enjoy the one o'clock and four o'clock games, which I don't usually get to do, mm-hmm. but uh, Amherst pizza nail house at 55 cross point parkway in Getzville. That's right off the Millersport highway and the nine ninety. Uh, all kinds of TVs, indoor, outdoor seating recognized by ESPN.com as Western New York's top spot to watch sports. Uh, as I've always said, and I continue to say a lot of good energy in that place. It's one of my favorite places to go uh, for that aspect alone. They have a ton of beers on tap. Uh, and uh, awesome food. Stop in or call for takeout and delivery, 716-625-7100. One more time, Amherst Pizza and Ale House's number is 716-625-7100. Tell them Joe Yarden sent you, and uh, you'll get an extra <laughs> slice of pepperoni. <laughs> but uh, my other plug, once again, is for Joe Yarden. Sign up for his Substack page at notedhockey.substack.com. Sign up for it. It's free. You get all Joe's insights delivered right into your email box. Or you can just go to the page and scroll through it and do it yourself the old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned yeah. way to get your news, scrolling it on <laughs> your page. That's right. Not delivered to the front step. Just, just right. go to the web page, dang it. Right. Not uh, No Morse code, no carrier pigeon. Just scroll right through 
and you see don't have all to hack a website. Just... You don't have to do anything weird. Like that's it's nice and yeah, easy. no pop up ads and videos aren't playing out of nowhere. It's just pure Joe Yurden. That's right. It's the way it's the way everybody wants it on the internet. Just pure straight Yurden, homie. <laughs> Joe, anything else you want to mention before uh, before we sign off? Um. I just want to say it's 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 a treat to be able to talk to you guys again because it, it has been a while and it's it you know times have been weird like we don't need to go over how weird times have been but like you know sports world and everything life world all that stuff is just it's too much it's too much sometimes so it's great to, it's great to get back involved and get back to talking to you guys and having some fun with it man like that's it's what I'm ha- it's it, it's part of it's part of this getting back on the horse thing that I'm, I'm enjoying very much is that people are like, Hey, let's, let's, let's talk again. Let's do this again. Like I'm everything about media is, is great, but like, it's the, it's the camaraderie I'm into. Like not know. everything about media is great. No, no, I want no, you to not retract, please retract that statement. Okay. Not a lot of stuff about media is great. And, but the great part is the friends you met along the way. That's right. Well, we're glad you're back on the horse too, Joe. And thanks for coming on uh, Tim Graham and friends brought to you by CTBK. Uh, and hopefully we can do this more often. I would, it would be my pleasure to, to do that. I'm always, I'm always available. I've, you know, I've got a lot of time to kill. So a long time <laughs> F of TGAF, although, and yet his first appearance on TGAF brought to you by CTBK. Uh, long time friend, first time. Yes. First First time guest? Yeah. In this iteration. He's been on the Correct. radio show, but that doesn't count. It's all TGAF these days. He's like the Zemgis Gergensons of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if only I was Latvian to go along with it. I'll just have to right uh, I'm like the mutt locomotive. <laughs> Joe Yurden, thank you. Thanks, guys. The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions. We'll be right back.